everybody. What's going on? My name is Dr. Boyce Watkins, and uh, welcome to Pillow Talk with Dr. Boyce and Dr. Alicia Watkins. Uh, this is my lovely wife, Dr. Alicia, and we're in different locations. So we decided to do this Pillow Talk in kind of a almost like a Zoom style. <laughs> uh, most of the time, it, it's it's audio. And uh, and actually, speaking of that, you guys know that this uh, podcast is also simulcast on Spotify and Apple and a lot of other places. So if you are in your car or cruising in your Jeep or, or your truck driver or anything like that, and you want to check out a lot of our content, uh, just look up the Dr. Boyce Breakdown on Spotify. How's everybody doing today? How's everybody doing? Uh, give me a yes in the chat if you can hear us okay. Give us a yes in the chat if you can see us okay. And I want to ask my wife, how, how are you doing today, babe? I'm all right this morning. How, well, now how are you doing? You're out of town. How's it going for you? It's going good. Um, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, on, I'm at Black Wall Street. And I am super pumped. Um, I was pumped. I was pumped up and pissed off at the same time. Uh, I did. I did a tour of Black Wall Street, and this is brother named Cody who gave a great tour and really told me a lot of stuff that I didn't know about Black Wall Street. And I'm going to bring him in. I'm actually going to bring him into the Black Business School. This brother was so sharp, and I, and and it was crazy to me. People don't understand the magnitude of Black Wall Street. People don't understand. They don't understand. They don't understand what, what O.W. Gurley and J.B. Stratford and all those. You, they don't understand what they did, how they created a culture of black economics that we can't create today. Like, like, literally, they had just one example. This is many. Uh, they had 21 grocery stores just in that one little area of Black Wall Street or, 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 or um, North Tulsa, the Greenwood section. And it, so 21 grocery stores. Do you know how many they have in that area now? I think you said, did you tell me one? One. Um, they have one one grocery store in that area now. Back then they had 21. And in fact, they had all kinds of other businesses. They had movie theaters, skating rinks, uh, the doctors and dentist offices, uh, candy shops, just all kinds of stuff. And 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 I and I learned about OW Gurley and how it was his mindset that created all the economic possibilities there. Like he would, he, he had all this land and he told people, he started building on the land and he said, look, you can have an, an office in this building. You can put your business in this building or you can buy the building under one condition. The condition is that you must put another black business in your building and, uh, and, and, and allow the, and charge them a percentage of profits. Don't charge them rent, charge them a percentage of profits. So he did little things like that to really create an economy. And I, I really think everybody, in fact, give me a yes in the chat, and I'm gonna stop talking about this. I, yo, yo, I, mean, I, I probably sound like a crazy crackhead right now because I'm so pumped up from what I've seen. But give me a yes in the chat if you will promise me that you will teach your kids about Black Wall Street and also teach them about O.W. Gurley. Um, I, I really give me just give me a yes in the chat, a confirmation that you're gonna teach your kids about O.W. Gurley. It's G-U-R-L-E-Y, and I'm gonna bring Cody into the Black Business School. So everybody who's a member of the Black Business School, which you can join for free, can come to the event for free. Uh, but uh, but you've got to teach your kids about O.W. Gurley before you teach them about all this other nonsense. OK, so give me a guess that you're going to do that. So I'm going to stop talking, babe. No, so what's on your mind? I have a question because there's so many people that don't know about Black Wall Street and what happened. And um, Gurley, are you saying that Gurley was the mastermind behind building the Black Wall Street? I'm just <laughs> really curious. Could you say just a little for a little bit, say a little more. Uh, who is this person and what happened? What happened to Black Wall Street? Well, the, the, it's a long story. And and, and I actually, I, I think I think it's a little bit beyond the scope of our conversation, right? Because we were, we're, 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 we were going to talk about the whole prenup thing with Charlemagne and whatnot, which I think mm -hmm. is really interesting. But 
OW Gurley, long story short, and I'm gonna put his picture yes. up on the Make screen. It very short, please. <laughs> yeah, this, this brother was basically the guy who went out west and, and bought a bunch of land and said, we're going to put businesses on this land and we're going to own everything. This was a time before black folks had access to, you know, Pell Grants and student loans and corporate jobs. And he just bought all this land and said, we're going to just build our, we're going to have our own. We're going to own everything and we're going to run everything. And, uh, and so he bought the land, uh, he built it up, and then he started recruiting black business owners to the area. He said, look, if you want freedom, you got it. You can't have freedom without the economic power. So he brought them in. And next thing you know, they just had these massive businesses there. And they were doing better than the whites in at least a couple areas. This is something people don't know. They were doing better than the whites uh, in Tulsa economically. And they were doing better than the whites in Tulsa, even in terms of like the quality of the men that were there. A lot of the men that were there were, um, were veterans. Shout out to all the veterans in the room. So these men, these men had guns ready to defend okay. the area. So when, mm -hmm. when the whole Black Wall Street massacre began, because that's what happened. White folks got mad because of a, a black man allegedly touching a white girl, which is a great, which is a really compelling story. When you hear the real story, it's going to freak you out. But, um, but basically, when that happened, people don't know that the black people were actually winning the fight. They were winning the fight until... Mm -hmm white folks started flying airplanes and dropping bombs onto black wall street when they came with yeah. the planes they couldn't respond to that but before but they came with the planes because they couldn't stop they couldn't fight them like straight up toe to toe dirty down and dirty yes thank well, you boys for that okay you're, you're welcome <laughs> that was long by the way but you could have just said you know in a not short way but that was it was very interesting but let's get into our topic. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, by the way, I want to tell everybody what you're listening to. You're listening to Pillow Talk, Pillow Talk with Dr. Boyce and Dr. Alicia Watkins. Or you could be watching. We're actually doing video now. Uh, we don't do video all the time, but sometimes we will. And uh, and also, don't forget this this podcast. You can find all of our content on Spotify, uh, Apple, etc. We have actually 1.4 million subscribers across different YouTube platforms. A lot of people don't know that. And, uh, and so, in fact, if you want to advertise on the platforms, I can actually show you how you can do that. Uh, you can actually go to uh, drboycefinance.com. Uh, that's where you can actually purchase shout outs and, and, and advertise if you want. Uh, so do me a favor. Hit the thumbs up button. Thumbs up, thumbs up, thumbs up, share, subscribe. Uh, and uh, so let's hop into our topic today. So you and I were talking about this interesting article about a guy that, that we've met in person uh, many times uh, named Charlemagne the Guide. Now, Charlemagne the God is the uh, host of The Breakfast Club. He's one of the hosts. And uh, he's he's just good. He's, he's killing it. And uh, he is uh, making a lot of money. And you sent me an article. Uh, and so I'm going to let you actually start the conversation, babe. You sent me an article that really surprised me, where it said that Charlemagne doesn't want to have a prenup, that he does not have a prenup in place, that he doesn't want one. And it was a, a lot of it. He gave a lot of credit to his wife for helping him build his career. Uh, he gave credit to his wife for standing by him during tough situations. And he just said, we're never gonna get a divorce. We don't need a prenup. And that surprised a lot of people, um, you know, because he, you know, he's made some money uh, doing the things that he does. So can you kind of speak to that in terms of why, what, what made you even send that article to me? Oh, you know what? I was just interested. It's a long, kind of a long story, but I was just, I just happened to just look up. Actually, I just happened to look up Charlemagne the guy because I do remember meeting him. You know him way better than I do, but I do remember meeting him maybe once or twice. And um, 
And I was just happened to just be searching for him. Long story about how that came about. But I thought it was really kind of refreshing to see his love and dedication to his wife and how he really talked about he couldn't even be where he is today if it wasn't for her driving him to interviews, supporting him in his life dreams. And that's something that I talked to a lot of my couples about when they get to the point where uh, they need to have conversations about how the marriage and your role in the marriage help to support your partner. So if you tell me about your hopes and your dreams and your aspirations, my job is to make sure that I'm doing everything possible to help you achieve your personal goals. And it's your job to do everything possible when I tell you what I want for my life, to do everything that you can to help me achieve my goals. And I thought it was a beautiful illustration of the right thing for couples to do with each other. And so that's why I sent that article to you because, you know, it is nothing like, um, you know, having someone say, you know, I want to be, I want to be a broadcaster. I have, you know, I want to start my career and do all of these, these wonderful lofty dreams. And there's nothing more beautiful than to have somebody that's going to support you. She supported him through everything. She, he said that um, he wrote in the, um, he spoke in the article about how he lost his driver's license. So she couldn't even drive. So she was like, don't worry, baby, I got you. I'm going to drive you wherever you need to be <laughs> to make sure because she believed in him and his ability and, you know, she was with him when when he had nothing and she had nothing. They were just starting out. I thought it was beautiful. Excellent, excellent illustration of what a marriage is supposed to be. I do hope they stay together forever. <laughs> and um, and I just love that. I think that is um, it's something that all of us should tune into. All of us should really do this with our partner <laughs> is mm -hmm. to make sure. What are you doing, boys? Let me help you achieve your goals. I think it's so great. Yeah. Well, let me uh, let everybody know, uh, Charlemagne, uh, according to Celebrity Net Worth, which, you know, you can take it for what it's worth. They claim his net worth is about $10 million and that his salary is $3 million. Um, I'm going to guess it's probably more than that. I think he makes more than $3 million a year. Um, I think also he's worth more than $10 million. Charlemagne is um, he's a good businessman. He's super, super savvy, super smart. And uh, and, and I, I've, I've had a lot of conversations with him you know, through the years. I. I met Charlemagne in 2006 on the Wendy Williams show when he was hosting, when he and Wendy had literally created uh, the number one radio show in all of New York city. And, and I remember when I met him, I didn't, I didn't know him from Adam. And, um, and he asked me about my book. I had a book called what if George Bush were a black man and Charlemagne said, I'd like to read your book. And I said, okay, well, here you go. You know, I had a copy there. I gave it to him. And, um, and the next time I came back to the show, honestly, I didn't think he was going to read it. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, here, here you go. Yeah, of course you're going to read it. Wink, wink. You know, Dwayne Wayne, Dwayne, um, what's it? The Wayans. Uh, uh, is it Dwayne Wayans? Oh, Damon Wayans. Damon Wayans. When I met him, he said the same thing. He's like, yeah, I want to read your book. And I gave it away. You know, I don't think he read it. So anyway, um, Charlemagne had actually read the damn book. When I, when I came back, he had read the whole book. And I, I was super impressed by that. And I think that he understood, because if you look at Charlemagne's um, life and his history, uh, he's had some some tough times. You know, he had some uh, run-ins with the law. He's been he's been locked up, and uh, <clears throat> you know, and then and then there's been other stuff, you know, kind of happening, et cetera. And and um, and I and what I see with Charlemagne is a guy who is super smart at knowing how to be relevant 
in a culture that I think deep down he probably feels like a lot of hip hop culture is just stupid. I really do. I think I think deep down he's thinking this is so silly, but I got to be silly with him. I got to know how he so he's smart enough to pretend to play the clown. But I think deep down he's actually an intelligent guy. And um, and so, you know, through the years. And so here's what happened. I remember when when he was at, at the Wendy show, the, the show suddenly it just kind of fell apart. Basically, I guess Wendy started fighting with some people there, you know, her and her husband or whatever. So she left abruptly with WBLS. And I still remember I did an interview with Wendy and I talked to Wendy for maybe an hour right before she was about to go to TV. And, uh, and she was telling me about it and how she was nervous about it and everything. And it was really an interesting conversation. She's actually pretty smart, too. And um, and here's the thing. When Wendy left to go to TV, I don't think she took any of her team with her. You know, like my good friend, Taryn, she didn't take Taryn. <laughs> she didn't take Nicole, who was her right hand person. Charlemagne was one of the people that got kind of dumped to the side. So here's what happens. So Charlemagne goes from having that being on that number one show in New York City to literally hosting like a public access radio show in South Carolina. Like it was literally one of those shows with where nobody's listening and you probably have to even buy your airtime. And, and so he's hosting this crappy little show that nobody's listening to, but he stuck with it because he loved his craft. He didn't just sort of say, well, I ain't getting paid no more. I'm going to go back to doing something else or whatever. No, he kept doing what he was doing. He was a committed content creator. And, <laughs> I respect that immensely because I see so many people who claim they want to do stuff like this, but they're like, well, how much am I going to get paid? And, and I'm not going to, you know, or if they don't have enough listeners, they'll just stop or whatever. He kept going and he would call me, me and Lawrence will tell you, Lawrence, my brother, who we were working together. He, he would come in my office. He'd be like, Charlamagne wants to interview you today. And I'd be like, damn, again? <laughs> like, you know, because he's doing this stupid little show and I knew nobody was listening. But I bet I started thinking, well, if I was in, if I was down and out like him, I, you know, I'd want somebody to support me. So honestly, I was doing it to be nice. I really I knew nobody was listening. I didn't care. We talked for like a whole hour and I'd be like, God, why are we on the air for so long? But I did it because I remember how he read my book when, when he was on the Wendy show. And I, I know I'd want somebody to do that for me. I'll be damned if Charlemagne doesn't end up on The Breakfast Club, and, you know, and, and again, rise right back to the top with the top radio show in the country. And I will never forget that experience because that is one of the things that made me really respect his dedication. A lot of people don't understand, you know, as much as you might criticize him because he does do some things that I can't defend. Uh, he's got some, he had, had that whole, you know, you, you saw where Kwame Brown spent a lot of time talking about some stuff that, that allegedly happened a long time ago. Um, and, uh, and honestly, I hope the truth is revealed or dealt with on that, not in the court of Instagram, but the court of law, but still, I think overall there's something to be admired there. And I, and what's interesting, here's the point I want to make on this with his wife is that the whole time he was dealing with this stuff, his wife was right there next to him, mm -hmm. never left his side. You got to give credit to that. That's my two cents. Yeah. And I think like the part that it, you know, when he lays it all out, just in that way, I think it just, it made me feel good because he said, you know, this is the reason why I don't want a prenuptial agreement. You know, this doesn't make any sense. You know, um, and I love that because just the idea, I personally do not like prenuptial agreements. <laughs> I really don't like it. It's like, why can't you just trust me? Why can't we just verbally have a verbal agreement? Why does it have to be written? 
down and a legal document. Why? Why? And if you don't trust me, then why should we even be married if you don't trust me? So you know how I feel about mm -hmm. prenuptial agreements in general, not specifically. I mean, everybody has their own uh, situation, but, you know, just in general, the way they started out, both of them started out kind of with nothing and they built this, you know, this career. She has her own career, by the way. She's a fitness instructor. She owns her own gym or something. So, I mean, she has her own, she's built her own business and he's doing his, what he's doing and they built this together. So, and I think in situations like that, I don't think you need a prenuptial agreement, honestly. Mm. I think that, you know, I think that it's not smart to do one in that way. And that's my personal opinion. I know a lot of people disagree with me, but I just kind of feel like, why do we have to talk about so early on, we haven't even gotten married and we're already talking about what's going to happen when this marriage is over. <laughs> it just seems mm. like, um, it, to me, it just takes the whole romance out of the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, everybody, in case you uh, you just got here, uh, you're watching Pillow Talk with Dr. Boyce and Dr. Alicia Watkins. My name is Dr. Boyce Watkins. This is my wife, Dr. Alicia Watkins. And uh, my PhD is in finance. Her PhD is in social work. And she's also a licensed therapist. And uh, she's been doing this work for a very long time. Uh, we love to talk about topics that relate to love and money and everything in between. And uh, if you'd like a free e-copy of my book, Financial Lovemaking, you can go to voiceandalicia.com. Or you can also, and also on voiceandalicia.com, you can join Dr. Alicia's database. She's building a singles database of Black singles around the world that want to get together. So um, if you are looking for the right person, you can join this um, database for free. Alicia just loves matchmaking. She's going to do matchmaking at the All Black National Convention with speed dating and stuff like that. Uh, so feel free to uh, to go to boysandalicia.com. Hit the thumbs up button. Thumbs up, thumbs up, thumbs up. Share, subscribe. Uh, let's, uh, let, let's, let's dig deep. So we're talking about Charlemagne and his wife. His wife's name is Jessica Gadsden. Gadsden. I don't know why she her name isn't like, you know, Jessica uh McKelvey, like, you know, because Charlemagne's last name is McKelvey, or her last her name isn't like Jessica the goddess, you know, but but <laughs> she's uh, <laughs> or or the god also. But anyway, uh so Jessica McKelvey, they they've been together for over two decades. And in the article, and I'm gonna read some of this article, babe, and I'd like to get your thoughts on this. And on BET.com, they said that they've been together for 23 years. Married for seven of those years. In a video that surfaced online, Charlemagne revealed that the status of their relationship is solid and never changing. This is exactly why the pair never signed a prenuptial agreement. He shared that his wife, who's a fitness coach and personal trainer, supported him throughout his career. She even supported him financially when he struggled to maintain a job in radio. Quote, I don't have a prenup because me and my wife have been together for 23 years. Literally, the first time I ever went to a radio station to fill out an application for an internship my wife drove me because my license was suspended. He added, when I was getting fired from radio four, four times, she was the one going to work every day and paying the bills. When we were getting evicted, she was the one going down to the courthouse explaining to the judge why we couldn't get evicted. What the fuck look like, do I look like uh, doing a prenup? He recounted their relationship saying that he and his wife are high school sweethearts and that his oldest daughter is the reason he proposed to his wife. Quote, you have to show your kids love. That's one of the reasons why I wanted to get married. When you have your four-year-old daughter asking you and asking why you and mommy don't have the same last name, that affects you as a man. So maybe her last name really is McKelvey. So maybe I got that part wrong. Uh, they didn't when I when I googled it, it didn't come up as McKelvey. But but maybe but maybe I was wrong on that. But but that was a big deal. 
I mean, I don't know. What do y'all think in the chat? But I think hearing a black man talk like that, it's not as common as it used to be. Um, and it really speaks to their value system. It speaks to the, the core of who they are. It's, it's almost says that he's speaking to a higher set of principles that's bigger than just, you know, which girl's got the biggest booty. You know, what, what do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, I think it is a good dedication to a black woman that's been there for him um, through thick and thin. And I don't think there's anything unique about her. I think there are lots and lots and lots of black women who would easily do. There's black women I know today that will be there for their man if they down and out. They like, come on, baby, get on up. You can do this. It's just something built in us. And I think that any woman that won't do it, it's an anomaly. I think for the most part, uh, Black women are just there for Black men. And a lot of times we picking up the pieces um, and encouraging our Black men because we see the potential in you. <laughs> we see what you can do. And, uh, and we're there for you even to our own detriment to some extent. <laughs> we're always doing that. We do that to our sons. We do that to all men. Like that's just our nature is just to to give love and encouragement. This is what I'm seeing in my world, okay? This is what I see. And I'm, I'm in contact with a lot of women <laughs> and mm. throughout my life and even currently. I think that is culturally, you know, what, we're, what we've done. I mean, think about slavery. Think about all the things that we've been through. We're always kind of the backbone of the Black community. And this is a great illustration of that. Well, you know, I, I, I can't disagree with that. Um, in fact, actually, I want everybody in the chat. I'm going to give you a test. Give me a, give me a test. How many of you, uh, can, can, I want you to name one black woman who's been there for you when times were tough. The the women, can, the women, women can do this too. It's not just for the men. But I want y'all, everybody, I want you to just, you know, because we should give credit where it's due. And I want you to name one black woman who, you know, bailed you out of jail, <laughs> paid your tuition when, when, when you couldn't pay it yourself, uh, had your back, you know, in a difficult situation, nursed you back to health, uh, helped defend or protect you when, when nobody else would. I want you to give the name, put the name in the chat of one black woman. Let's shout them out. One black woman. This is Black Woman Appreciation Day. We need more of these. <laughs> I don't know if it's okay if I, for me to create a holiday on the spot, but I, I really kind of think we, we should do that. And uh, so put it in the chat, put it in the chat. And I'm, I'm going to read some of the names back because I, I think this is important. Uh, let's see. Uh, Michael says my wife. Uh, Carmen says my cousin Candace. RC says my wife Gwen. Uh, Willie Mae Quiller uh, says Shelton Quiller. That, that, that's a good name. Willie Mae Quiller. I love that. Uh, <laughs> let's see here. Natalie says Eric. Uh, let's see here. My grandma Hazel says uh, Aisha. Uh, the housing blog says Connie Hughes. I see Latoya M. Austin, Linda Flynn, Dr. Andrea Rines, uh, says Erica, Marion and Sally Bell Allen. Those are great. Those are some country names. I love, I love these names. Sally <laughs> Bell. Sally <laughs> Bell. That's a good name. Sally Bell yeah. going to be there for you. Sally Bell is solid. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, and, and so let, let's just let's just have an honest conversation here, right? Let's talk about another couple that isn't as solid at least publicly anyway, as, as, as this one. Let's talk about this one, right? Now, so right now you have Kanye, who is literally melting down on Instagram, like melting down over what he considers to be, you know, unjust 
uh, treatment of his children, uh, what he sees as, you know, Kim Kardashian doing him wrong. Uh, and, and Adidas is doing him wrong. The Gap is doing him wrong. So a lot of people, I guess, are doing Kanye wrong. I know a lot of people right now. Yeah, yeah. he needs a Sally Mae. Kanye West needs a Sally Mae. Yes, he does. He yes, he does. Well, well, he had one, right? He's a man he in he, his life. He needs Kanye, well, Kanye had a Donda. He had a Donda, and she's not there anymore. And it's a void. I'm certain it's a void that could never be filled. But he needs he needs a Nana. I would just call her Nana. He needs a Nana in his life to to pat him up and to and to set him straight too. Mm -hmm. well, well, you know, here's the point I want to make on that, right? I feel like Charlemagne married him a Donda or, or a Nana. Mm -hmm. You know, like he married him a young Nana. Yep. You know, he married him a black woman that's got those black woman values that. You know that, that like like I'm gonna come through for you in the, in tough situations and and I feel like for black men we have to think about these things because the biggest investment you make is in your relationships and the woman that you pick by your side if she's not sort of built for this then you're gonna fail you're gonna struggle and and so with, with Donda you think about it Donda made Kanye made Kanye album after her that's why he named I think he named a school after uh, called Donda there's a lot of stuff called Donda. So I've never you know, seen, look at that smile on his face. I've never seen Kanye smile like that. Yeah. He yeah. Loves so, to see a picture. He doesn't smile at all. That concerns me. I would mm -hmm. love like that smile is from the gut. You could tell that's a I'm happy. I would I don't you don't ever see him. He never he hasn't smiled since she's passed, honestly. I'm trying to think when was the last time I saw him smile. Wow. He's so heavy. I, this is the impression I'm getting. He's coming across this way to me. He's so heavy with the stress going on in his life. He just seems to be real heavy with, you know, all these pieces that he's trying to put together for his business. And he has all these dreams and excellent um, aspirations and all of these things that he wants to get done. He has a lot of creativity in him clearly that he needs to get out in the form of music and clothing and you know all of this creativity he's got to express it in a way and and he's coming across some challenges in doing that and he doesn't look happy so you know that that's my biggest concern for him and i think like i'm not speaking just for myself i think i'm speaking for all the the black women out there that just look at him and go oh baby <laughs> oh <laughs> you know we just well you know. <laughs> well, that's an interesting point, right? And, and I'm not here to criticize anybody's life choices. I mean, because I think we all make mistakes. But it's really unfortunate, like when you talk about trading, you know, a Donda, there's a lot of young Dondas out here. There's a lot of young black women who are smart, who will have your back, who will cheer you on, um, who will stand by your side, even when you're acting a little bit weird. And then he traded it in for, for a woman who's posing with her booty out on magazine covers. You know, like this was Kim Kardashian's latest is that, who is that? That doesn't That's even Kim, look like that her. Is, that is Kim Kardashian. Yeah, she totally changed her look. She's got blonde eyebrows now, and she and literally, I didn't. You can't see the whole picture. You see half the booty, but just believe me, if I showed the whole image, you would see the entire booty. Please don't be looking at that. You can't look at all that. <laughs> right, and and so so my thing is like it's interesting because you see Kanye very upset because his wife it, he doesn't want his daughters to grow up and be like his wife. But daughters want to grow up and be like their mommy. Hang it up. Who, who, who is a greater influence on your children than mommy? Y'all tell me. 
Y'all tell me, is there anybody that is a greater influence on what a daughter is going to become than the mommy? So I think with Ye, I, I think that he has to, um, I, I, I compare and contrast. He has to adjust to that, accept it, and, and figure out a way to compromise with her on that because I don't, there's no way out of it. They're mm-hmm. there. That's the that's the decision he's made. He just has to face all of that. He can't control all of that. Yeah. yeah. Well, mm-hmm. by the way, everybody, uh, in case you're wondering, you're, you're watching uh, Pillow Talk with Dr. Boyce and Dr. Alicia Watkins. My name is Dr. Boyce Watkins, and I'm a finance professor. My wife is a professor of social work and a licensed therapist. And uh, and if you want to learn more about the work that she does, uh, she sees clients on a regular basis. Uh, you can actually go to coachingwithdralicia.com. Uh, the URL is right there on the screen. Feel free to take a visit. Um, I'm a big believer in therapy, and uh, she's she's one of the best. And also, I, I have to always mention that um, I want everybody to be careful because uh, I guess since as my platform grew, there are fake voice Watkins accounts out there all over the place. Dr. Alicia has some fake accounts. So if you ever get a message from somebody messaging you saying, hey, it's Dr. Boyce. How you doing? Send me an inbox message or call me on the phone. That's not me. And I have to warn you guys just to make sure that you don't get um, taken by these people because they're terrible. And and I hope you'll report their accounts. They're literally on every platform, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, whatever. So um, so 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 I guess some thoughts as far as the, the, the Charlemagne thing. Um, when you're talking about Charlemagne, you know, sort of praising his wife in public, which I, I really love. I love the fact that he's not falling into this whole, you know, women ain't nothing culture that some men are buying into. Uh, you have um, you have men out here that literally think that a guy who loves a black woman is a simp. And I think those guys are the actual simps, but I don't want to make fun of them because they're probably just damaged individuals who have bad relationships with their mothers or they had no father. They, 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 they never saw their father love their mother. Uh, they never saw a black man take the time to take care of them. So they feel that they also don't have to take care of children, stuff like that. But you, but you have so many good examples of men that are really out here rebuilding black families. Like um, you, know, you have Russell Wilson and Sierra, who I think are doing a wonderful job, at least publicly, of presenting that image of saying we're solid as a rock in terms of not worrying about what ignorant people have to say. You know, you got old, you know, future this this rapper who who isn't that smart, who's you know, who acts like a drug addict, who's over here saying ridiculous things. They're not responding to it. They're responding with complete dignity and class. You have other examples uh, besides Charlemagne and his wife. You also have, um, you know, people like, uh, you know, what was it? Not not this couple, not this couple. I'm sorry. This, uh, <laughs> Beyonce and Jay-Z. Let me take this off the screen. Sorry. You have Beyonce and Jay-Z. You have uh, Michelle and Barack. You have, so you have these examples of black love that I think are really um, hopeful, that provide hope for people that want to believe black people aren't all a bunch of, um, they, they, they want to fight this horrible image of us as a group of people where the men don't love the women, the, 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 the parents don't care about the children and none of us care about the family, right? So you've got that divide. You've got those people that don't understand. And then you've got people that understand that, that family is a source of power. Uh, what do you think, uh, you know, in terms of, of how it feels just also just for black women to kind of see, you know, some of this stuff that kind of goes on in terms of um, people that seem to want to promote a gender war between black yeah. men and black women? You know what? It can feel very lonely and isolating if you're not in contact. Like, I think that's one of the beauty of um, going to the All Black National Convention and um, 
you know, events like that, because if you're in your own little silo and your own little pocket, you feel like you're the only person doing these things like, you know, but it's, it's refreshing to see these images because we haven't always historically been exposed to all these beautiful images of what the black family is and um, what healthy black, there's a ton of healthy black couples out there that don't even have to be, you know, related to sports and you don't have to be, you don't have to have a lot of money either. I think that's the issue too. Like I kind of like some in, in the back of my mind, it's like, okay, so we see all these glamorous people living, a, living their best life on yachts and stuff like that. But, you know, for every, um, example that we see of football players and athletes and musicians and all stars, there's doctors and lawyers and professors and people like me and you boys. There's people, I call us regular folks here. You know, there's people like us that are doing our thing. We don't have to be multimillionaires in order to be happy. You can be happy, you know, with just anything. And so I think, um, I think, I think, because let me just tell you this, I have been the therapist to not only black families, but also Hispanic families and white families. And I will have to say that I really don't think our problems are extra ignorant. You know, I just feel like it is, there's nothing really, you know, there's some beauty that I see as a theme across black families that you don't see with other families. I really do think that we are internally kind of fighting this Willie Lynch letter that it doesn't even matter if it's a real or if it's not we're internally kind of fighting that and i see a lot of black men say my father wasn't there for me growing up and so therefore i'm going to be there for my children and they really go hard i know a lot of women black women who say you know my family was a little kind of not the way it should be but i'm gonna make sure that i do everything that i can so that my family can stay together and that dedication i don't see that in other cultures i really do feel like it's a it's a boomerang and i'm hopeful because of what i'm seeing it's a boomerang where there are tons of families for you know that are saying forget this we're not going to live our life like this we're going to be together as a unit and this is what's very important to me. And not only that, but I see a lot of black men stepping up to the plate and saying, I'm going to be involved in my children's life. I'm going to make sure that my wife, that I help out my wife around the house, that it's just not going to be, I'm putting it on, dumping on her all the time. They are pitching in in the house because these are real problems between couples. <laughs> like, why am I carrying the whole weight of the household? I see a lot of black fathers doing that that I didn't see, that I don't necessarily see with other cultures as much. Um, so I think, so I think what I'm saying is that black families are ahead of the curve in a lot of ways because the arrangements team tends to be more egalitarian. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not so dogmatic where the woman has to be the brunt of everything. I see a lot of black men and women working together as a teamwork. If I hear teamwork one more time when I meet with couples, I'm just going to be jump for joy because that's what I hear <laughs> black couples saying. I want us to work as a team. Well, you know, I mean, and that's what it is. I mean, that that's the thing. They want they want the black man to always be a little boy. They want him to be undisciplined. They want him to be immature. The America racism. This is racism, y'all. Racism wants the black man to be disorganized. They want him addicted to drugs. 
you know, that's that's why they promote this stuff, you know, and uh, and then next thing you know, you come along and you say, well, I don't want to be ignorant. I want to be intelligent. I don't want to be on drugs. I want to have a clear mind to, to be able to plan a future. I don't want to just uh, disrespect my women. I, I want the black woman to feel good and to feel loved and protected when she's around me. So you come along and you talk like that. Then unfortunately, you have some people that um, think that that's lame or that's square or that you're a simp. And uh, and I think overall, we have to fight like hell to say, no, not us. That's not what you're going to do to our people. You're not going to turn our men into these um, just disheveled, weak, little undisciplined bums that don't have the ability to take responsibility or to protect anything. And that is really mission critical for the black community. Like that's really something that uh, that we lost. Y'all lost that when y'all started imitating white people, when you, when, when immigration or in, integration, excuse me, integration came along and you decided to believe that masters, white, ice was colder and all this other stuff. You lost a lot of that. You know, like, like when we were talking earlier about black wall street, a lot of people don't even know how well the, the men fought to defend black wall street. They don't even know that when Dick Rowland got arrested for allegedly, uh, allegedly touching a white woman, the black men got together with their rifles and went across town. Over a hundred of them went with their rifles across town and said, Oh, you're going to give us our boy back. You're going to give us him. You're going to give him back to us. So, so ultimately what we got to understand is that some of us, unfortunately we, we have to be real clear about who we are because some of our people have lost their way. And it's unfortunate that when we talk about Charlemagne, just giving props to his wife, saying, look, she's the queen of all this. I'm going to share everything that we built with her. Um, there are a lot of men that would say, oh, that's lame, that's stupid, what's wrong with you? They, that, that shouldn't be a rare story. You know, white white men, you know, they love their women all the time, and other white men don't run up and say, oh, man, dog, you being lame, man, that's that's lame. No, they, Jeff Bezos, his wife, when they got their divorce, she became one of the richest human beings on the planet because she was there back when Amazon was was nothing when they were driving across the country with, you know, fifty dollars in the bank, you know, trying to start this little fledgling company. So I think what Charlemagne said, again, it's not, you know, I mean, it's not the only way to go about marriage. I mean, I don't think prenups are necessarily a terrible thing. Uh, you and I did a prenup because, mm -hmm. you know, we both had assets and, and we that we and it wasn't about protecting the assets. In my view, the prenup was more so about making sure that if there was a part, a departing of ways that it was orderly and it, that you minimize confusion, mm -hmm. you know, like I, I don't like messy um, breakups. Right. And I, and I think that, uh, and, and you, in fact, you've actually, from what I understand, you didn't tell me you even taught a whole like class on like how to break up properly or how to part ways properly. I don't know if you. Well, what, what, it together. You I haven't finished putting it together, but I mean, I think, you know, it, it, everybody's situation is different. And I don't think across the board, it, everything needs to be, we have, you have to have, I'm not one of those people that feel like every couple has to have a prenup when they get married. I think, mm -hmm. you know, you know, I think in our situation, you've worked really hard and sacrificed a lot to be financially stable. You saved a lot of money and we have a lot of assets, you know, that each of us individually have accumulated. And so, um, you know, I think that's, you know, the driving force around 
uh, the prenup is, you know, you want to legally protect what you have. And you have a whole business that you have with your brother and all of that. I think to legally protect that is so it was important for me to demonstrate that to you, that that's not in my intention. So it was a totally different thing. But um, of course, some people think, you know, prenups can be cold and harsh and offensive, <laughs> you know, but at the same time, it can be logical and practical and reasonable, I think. So it all just depends. Um, you have to do your own research and figure out what's the best, um, what's the best for you. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, by the way, in case you just came in, you're watching Pillow Talk with Dr. Boyce and Dr. Alicia Watkins. My name is Dr. Boyce Watkins. This is my wife, Dr. Alicia Watkins. And uh, Dr. Alicia is a licensed therapist and a full professor of social work. She's also a certified clinical trauma professional. I want to say that right. Yes. And, um, and uh, that's really something that I think is really important for our people because uh, many of you probably don't even know that you're, you've been traumatized at some point in your life. Maybe you do know. Um, and, uh, and I think that what we have to understand is that dealing with your trauma is how you eventually form healthy relationships. Dealing with your trauma is how you have healthy finances. Dealing with your trauma is how you make healthy choices. And unhealthy choices in terms of health, wealth, and relationships are typically driven by traumatic experiences and things like that. Um, you know, whether you're talking about overeating on fast food that kills you, all the way down to bad sexual choices to bad economic choices. So, what Drug you know, use, all of that yeah. alcoholism, all of the, all of that is uh, related to trauma, particularly early in age. Mm, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so um, so I encourage you to get some help with that wh wherever you get that help. And uh, also, I want to mention everybody in Lioness Crown is in here. So uh, uh, Jade. Yeah. So so she, she knows about the All Black National Convention and the All Black National Convention is around the corner and it's going to be October 28th through the 30th in Charlotte, North Carolina. This is the premier gathering of all the B1 people from all around the world. And uh, and it's, it's going to be super lit this year. It's going to be awesome. We have billionaire Mike Roberts coming through. Uh, the chairman of the Air Jordan brand, Larry Miller, is going to be there. We have all kinds of panels and breakouts on everything you want to learn. And uh, so if you are pro-Black and you want to be in a space with other people that believe the things that you believe, that we believe in family, we believe in Black wealth, we believe in Black intelligence, we believe in unity. If you believe in those things, then the convention is for you. Uh, that's, so uh, you can actually learn more by going to my website. I put it all on my website at boycewalkins.com. You can buy your tickets there. If you want to be a vendor, you have a Black-owned business, you can become a vendor there. If you want to uh, volunteer, uh, and, you know, if, if the ticket price is a little high and you want to uh, help out in exchange for a free ticket, well, you can volunteer. There's a training process you have to go through uh, and we got to make sure, you know, we got to go through the clearances. But if you'd like to volunteer, you can actually do that on my site. So just look for the links and uh, all that's at voicewalkins.com. So let, let's let's finish up on the con on the Charlemagne conversation, babe. So um, overall. I I'll just say, you know, I, I, I even even though Charlemagne comes, you know, there's a lot of baggage that comes with talking about Charlemagne in terms of, you know, the good and the bad that, that's kind of happened. And we know hip hop's kind of a messy space. We know Charlemagne's had some controversy. Um, I think overall, the, the big message that I'm getting from this is that he's not really saying, you know, that that I wouldn't sign a prenup with anybody. It sounds like he's saying that almost like if you think of your life like a company, like a business, he's saying she's vested in the business. You know, she's she was an investor from the very beginning, so she's going to get treated as a partner in this process and not as somebody. You know, I think that's different from him marrying a celebrity. I think another interesting point uh, and LeBron James could probably speak to this is that I find it really interesting that you have this guy 
who literally is wired into almost every celebrity in the country. There's not a black hip hop artist or actor that doesn't know who Charlemagne is. So he has his choice. He, he, there's a lot of women that would love to be his wife, but who does he marry? He, he wants to be married to the lady that was there at the very beginning. LeBron is the same way. What do you think about that? What do you make of that? I'd like to know what you think about that because I know people were like, why would you get married to Alicia? <laughs> Who is she? She ain't nobody. You're supposed to be seeking out someone famous. Um, that, yeah, that I, divorce is sipping. Foreign to uh, to social media. I don't know anything about social. We weren't even Facebook friends until, <laughs> until we started dating. I had no idea anything about you really. But I mean, I think the question goes to you um, to answer. But I think for me, I think men, you know what? I'm sorry. I think men, men want to feel needed, not only for like what they can provide, but for who they are. And I think it's a, it's a conundrum for a lot of men who are successful to try to tease out who's with me because they really love me or who's with me because they think they can get ahead. And mm -hmm. I think that's probably an issue for men because you want to have a safe place where you can rest your head and, and be able to divulge and talk about all the things that are, that you've been carrying around all day. And you want to have a, someone safe enough with you to do all those things. And I think it's a little bit of a, tricky situation when um, you're not sure of individuals' intentions about why they're with, are they just with you because they want to be a power couple and they want to be a, have a come up for what's going on with themselves or are they with you because they really love you? And a lot of men, if they're honest with themselves, they want to be with somebody who really loves and respects them. And so why not? Um, be with the person that was with you, you know, when you were struggling and the person who was helping you struggle, why not share in that? And then when you have children with someone, like, I mean, what's going to happen? Like, wh why are you taking money away from your children's mother when at the end of the day, the children are going to get it anyway? Think about it. Like, <laughs> Like you can't spend it all in a lifetime and you shouldn't. You're going to end up giving the children right back. You're going to end up giving the money right back to the kids anyway. Like they're going to get it anyway. So what difference does it make? I think there's a difference between giving money directly to your kids versus giving money to the mother who gives it to the kids. Right. I think that um, and I can say this just as a veteran of child support. I made every single payment I was supposed to make. And, uh, and it, it was tough because I didn't feel I felt like it was taxation without representation. I felt that I, I wanted to have more say over where that money went, because what happens is it's very difficult when you make a big child support payment. And then the next week, you're, you know, the same day or two days later, your child says, Dad, I need a new pair of shoes or I got a field trip coming up. Do you have an extra two hundred dollars? And you're like, but I already sent this money, you know, and, I, and that money should be going towards so what whatever. Right. What did you do when that happened? Did you say, oh, hold on a second. Let me talk to your mom about it and we will mm -hmm. get back to you. Or did you say, um, I gave your mama money, ask your mama for it. Like, what was the best response voice? <laughs> I, you know, it was so long ago. I don't remember. And also that's so close to home. I don't want to be offensive to my child or her mother, uh, you know, but I can say that it was difficult. It was very you stressful. It up. <laughs> and, and, well, I'll tell you what, I went through the child support process and I said, I'm never doing this again. I, if I have a child, I, I need to be in the house with my kids until they're 18 
or beyond. I am not going to be in any situation where I marry or have children with a woman that does not understand that I must be in the house with those kids every single day, you know? And, um, and so when I eventually got married, remember when I got married, I, I got married past the child bearing age for a lot of people. Like I didn't want to have kids when, when you and I got married, I wasn't thinking about having kids anymore. Um, but you know, but back when I was saying my thirties and thinking about possibly getting married, I needed to know for sure. I, I literally was at a point where I'd been traumatized so badly from the experience that I felt like I need to have a legal contract that guarantees and protects my rights as a father, because I just seen so many fathers lose access to their kids. And I just think that's the most heartbreaking thing we can do to another person. The legal contract that doesn't exist, by the way. <laughs> well, shit, I, I was going to try. <laughs> I, I, I was going to try. Yeah, that's always a leap of faith. But the thing is, is that, I mean, anybody who's struggling, you just laid out some child support issues. But, you know, when you know you've paid more than your share in child support and the child's coming to you, I think it's best to say, very interesting. Um, I'll get back to you. Me and your mom need to talk about that and we will get back to you. So I don't think you need to let a child in because children don't they don't know anything about child support and all of that. They shouldn't know about that. Like they just, their minds just don't think that way. They're just thinking, I need something. I'm just going to ask somebody for something. And mm -hmm. so I think the best way to deal with to say, oh, okay, so you need some shoes or you need uh, money or jacket. You need a coat. Let me talk to your mom about it and we will get back to you. And that's when you have a private conversation with the custodial parent in this case. And you say, okay, hey, what's going on? Because the money is for Child support money is for this. You weren't married to the mom. And so I think it makes it a little kind of shaky if there's no marital, like you had a child out of wedlock. But I know with marriage, um, if you dissolve that marriage, I mean, there are some protections in place. You will have a child support order, but you will also have visitation. Like that's the very first thing they talk about is um, how are we going to deal with the kids? They talk about that first. And then, then then money comes later. So um, things have changed a lot. Laws have changed since Aeon, even a decade ago. Things are different. Fathers have way more rights now, I think, than they used to. Um, it's getting better for, for rightfully so. And parental alienation and all of those terms have started to emerge in people's um, lexicon. And uh, a lot of courts are starting to understand what... Um, what uh, parental isolation is and what it does. So we're getting better with that sort of thing in case, just in case, you know, the, um, your marriage is dissolved and you're dealing with co-parenting. It's not the end of the world. There's some, you don't have to end up like what Boyce was talking about. Um, there are some, there's some legal, legal, legalese that can protect you and make sure that you have visitation and make sure you have all the rights that you that you are entitled to as the non-custodial parent. Yeah. And I don't I don't even want to live in a world with custodial, non-custodial. I'd rather I mean, I'm not going to have any kids, but I would say anybody in their 20s who wants to have kids. I think that um, I like I like Charlemagne's energy when he said we're just not going to get a divorce, period. You know, mm -hmm. and to me, I think. You know, I think that if that's what you want, if you and your partner are both determined to never get a divorce, I believe you can actually create that reality for yourself. You just both have to really be honest about that and really wanting that. And I think also 
Um, to answer your question earlier about why a man with, you know, who meets women around the world and has groupies and all that would pick a woman that he knew from back in the day, I think it does become a trust issue. Um, I'd, I'm not nearly as famous as Charlemagne, and nor would I ever want to be. However, uh, I, I am famous enough that that I did, you know, I have met a lot of people, and and you know, things change, you know, when people know you and whatever. And um, and what I found was that there's a big difference between the woman who got to know you after you kind of had everything versus the woman who knew you before you had nothing. And what can kind of be difficult is not just in terms of not knowing what they expect, but you kind of know what they expect. Like they see you as that Superman that they heard about. You know, it's, it's really, I'm, I'm just telling everybody, it's really interesting when you meet, when almost everybody you meet already knows you really well before you even know them. It is. Like you meet them and you're telling them about yourself and they're like, yeah, I already know yeah, that. Yeah, I already know I that. that. <laughs> I, I know that. I saw that podcast. I heard when you said that. I read that in your book. You know, and it, so that's kind of weird right there. Um, but you get used to it. But then what I think happens, too, is that when somebody meets you and they know you as Superman, they don't really want to always get to know Clark Kent. They don't they're not really in it for like the hard part of, of being with Boyce Watkins. They're only in it for the exciting part or for the, the good part. You know, it's so so maybe the, the way to compare it would be like imagine think about how differently some women look when they put their makeup on and they do their hair and they get dressed up, you know, versus how they look when they just, you know, rolled out of bed, got stuff in the eye, breast stinking, armpit stinking or whatever. Right. Oh, scarf on their head. They got a scarf on their head at night. Right. 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 Just, you know, comparing the head. two. <laughs> right. Comparing the two. No makeup on, no nothing. So imagine if every man you met met you when you were looking your absolute most gorgeous ever. And he fell in love with you at your most gorgeous. And then, and then, but then later on, at some point, the makeup's going to have to come off. And I, I have seen women, I've seen women that wear so much makeup that they can't have relationships because when they take the makeup off, men are like, wait, that's not you anymore. That's not, that's not the woman that I fell in love with on Instagram when I saw your pretty pictures. You know, so that's a danger. There's a danger filter. between. They were using with, with, filters on Instagram too. Say <laughs> it again. Like, they were using an Instagram filter. So they don't even look like that. Yeah. Yeah. That's a scary place to be. So, so honestly, I think that, that people have to think about that. There's a downside to, you know, sort of having your image enhanced, whatever that means, whether it's your physical image or just your public image. You know, I, I met a guy not too long ago who said, he looked at me, he said, I thought you'd be taller for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 you know, I think because he saw, he's like this booming voice, this voice Watkins. Right? I'm like, no, nah, I've been the same height I've been my whole life, you know. And, and so I, I would I would just honestly say, generally speaking, I think that that's why you'll see a guy like a Charlemagne who will marry the girl that he knew in high school. LeBron marries the lady that he knew in high school. But then also remember that those women – have had to deal with a lot of these transitions that occur, um, you know, that may maybe do involve, you know, things like some, some, you know, a little bit of cheating or infidelity or whatever, or, or what, and, and that's the part that I think where it says that even her journey is not this sort of beautiful fairy tale people think it is. I think it, it's gotta be weird to be in a relationship with a person who goes where you're watching them and they literally go from being a regular person to being an international celebrity, like over the course of, of, of time, that's gotta be hard. Cause suddenly all these new people are constantly coming in to the life of your partner. And I would imagine that there's insecurities that can come up 
where you're thinking, gosh, now that he knows all these beautiful women, is he still going to keep coming back to me? That's yeah, got to be tough for the wife. You have to keep rededicating yourself and you have to keep um, being encouraging um, and, and really um, have those hard conversations. Like, no, I just want to be with you. <laughs> you know, you really need to mm. confirm to your partner because um, it can be overwhelming. <laughs> it can be overwhelming, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it can be. Okay, well, you know what? Um, this has been a great conversation. I've really enjoyed talking to you, babe. And uh, and by the way, uh, I want to say thank you to everybody who hung out with us on Pillow Talk with Dr. Boyce and Dr. Alicia Watkins. Uh, my wife, Dr. Alicia Watkins, uh, she has a, a great practice and she sees lots of couples and things like that. And uh, and just is really good on uh, areas related to therapy, relationships, uh, even trauma. She has a trauma certification. So if you are interested in knowing more about what she does, you can go to coachingwithdralicia.com or you can follow her on Instagram at coachingwithdralicia. Now, those of you that want to come to the All Black National Convention, it is going to be happening soon. It's going to be in Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, you can, um, I would love for you to join us October 28th through the 30th uh, when we're in Charlotte. Alicia's going to do speed dating. We're going to have uh, the B1 ball. We're also going to have lots of panels and speakers and breakouts and trainings and keynotes on all kinds of areas related to everything from business to politics to relationships to wealth building, all kinds of stuff. So if you are interested in joining us, you can actually get your information by going to boycewalkins.com. I put all the links there. There's a link if you want to buy a ticket. There's a link there if you want to be a vendor and and so get your and promote your business, make some money. There's a link there if you want to be a volunteer. Maybe the price is high and you want to uh, you know work in exchange for a free ticket. And also, um, there's a link for a discounted hotel. Do not pay the full hotel price. The price of the hotel is cut by I think about fifty to sixty percent uh, for everybody that wants to come out. So you hit that link on the, for the hotel. That's how you book your hotel. We're going to be in Charlotte. We hope you guys will join us. It's going to be awesome. Dr. Alicia and I will both be there. So thank you all for hanging out. Uh, God bless you. And um, and thank you, babe. It was great to see you. Nice to all see right. you. Okay. Right. Bye-bye. Have a good day, everybody. All right. Bye-bye.